We are wrapping up our series this morning, Hearing God. And this morning we're talking about the ways in which God speaks to us. Uh, just a quick recap for everyone who maybe has missed all of the series or part of the series. We started off by talking about the 15 reasons we don't hear God's voice. What are, some, what are the things that are going on in our life? Or maybe we're just not willing to listen. Maybe we're scared of what we're going to hear. We're scared of how people are going to react. There's a list, and I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, you didn't get those notes, go back, go over it, because I think it's really enlightening all the reasons that we don't hear God speaking. And what we found is that it's not really the fact that God's not speaking, it's that we're not listening. There's something that has gotten in the way that is hindering us from allowing God to be God in our life, to be the Father who speaks and loves and moves and... So there's 15 reasons why God doesn't, why we can't hear God. Then we moved into why hearing God is key and the fact that um, God wants to be our king. He wants to be our father. He wants to be our Lord. He wants, he wants to be our life. And if we are not allowing that personal word from God to get into our hearts and encourage us, then it's hard for God to be king if we don't hear our king speak. It's hard for God to be our all in all if we're not making space for him to be our all in all. It's hard for God to be our father. Well, look at your own father. If you never spoke to your father, he would grow distant. He may lose, you'll lose connection. You'll lose, there's all kinds of things that could happen if you don't speak to your father. And on the flip side, you don't let your father speak to you. The same happens with God. We don't let God be God. We don't let God be our Father. That relationship starts to break down. And we also heard, we also looked at how God's word is the primary way in which God speaks to us, and that we need to be in His word. We talked. We looked at the difference between the Logos word, the general reveal. Everybody can look at it and read it and understand it the same way. And the Rema, the personal Holy Spirit inspiration in that moment, just for you, for that time. And we need that word, because Matthew 4 says that man lives off that word. Man lives off of God's speaking to us, coming into our life, coming into those moments when we need him most, and giving us a word that is just for that moment. And so in the midst of all of this, we wrap up the series by saying, even though God's word may be the primary way, Scripture may be the prime way not only do we hear God but also we verify that it is actually God who is speaking there are other ways that God speaks we're looking at a bunch of scripture we're gonna go through it really fast so if you don't have the app as I say every week you better get the app because there's lots of notes and for the note takers it's all there sitting there waiting for you but question number one everyone online I expect you to participate have you heard from God this month Kind of like where we started with the Q&A. I said that if we went to a Q&A and we asked a whole bunch of questions but never stuck around to hear the answer, what was the point in going to the Q&A? If we went to a Q&A and the person never answered any of your questions, what was the point of going to the Q&A? And the same thing applies to this series. We've given you all kinds of tools and ways to hear from God, allow God to speak, but have you actually put it into practice? Because then the question is, what was the point? Because we're not here just to 
fill our brain with all kinds of really good knowledge. We're here to equip you to have a fruitful relationship with the God who loves you above all else. And so this is one of the ways we equip you. We give you the tools. We give you the know-how of how to hear God speak to you. But if you never actually take the time to let God speak, it's kind of like, what was the point? So the question is, have you heard God speak to you this month? And maybe this week is your encouragement. Maybe you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you, haven't, you don't think God has spoken to you. And we're going to go over the other ways outside of Scripture, the way that God speaks to us. And maybe this morning it becomes apparent that, oh, God has been speaking. It just wasn't in the way that I thought. So have you heard from God this month? Have you taken the tools and the stuff that we have given you Put it into practice and actually allow God to be your Father, to be your Lord, and to be your life. Like I said this morning, I think there's six ways, six other ways that God speaks to us. We're going to go through a bunch of scripture to see, back it up. And the point of what this morning is, is that even though God did it in scripture, it doesn't mean that God stopped doing these things. God never stopped speaking, and God is not limited in the way that he speaks to us if we are willing to hear him. And because he's done it in the past, there's a good chance he's going to do it again. So, ways God speaks to us. Number one, God speaks to us with an audible voice. And we've got, seen lots of stories throughout Scripture. One of the most apparent ones is in 1 Samuel 3. Samuel's calling. He's a boy. He's, lit. he's in the temple one night, and it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There's no frequent vision. Now that's important, that God wasn't giving a lot of visions at this time, because that's going to change in one of the later things that we look at, but God had kind of fallen silent at this time. Israel was not in a good spot. They're kind of going their own way, and so this would have been a very odd thing what Samuel was about to experience. Verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, he was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called, the Lord spoke, and Samuel heard and said, here, am, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, lie down again. You know, typical kid running into the bedroom. Go back to sleep. Shut up. I didn't call you. Do anything. I'm having a bad dream. Get out of here. So he went and laid down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. I am sleeping. Go lay down. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And this is one of the things we talked about in the first series about why we don't hear God, is that we haven't always been taught how to hear God. We don't know how to recognize God's voice. And Samuel's experiencing this. He doesn't know how to recognize that it's God calling him. He's mistaking it for Eli, so he keeps running to Eli because it's the only voice that he can assume is calling out to him. 
The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived it was the Lord calling the boy. So even though God had not spoken, Eli is still the high priest, and he still recognizes when it is that, it, when it is that God is moving. So he tells the boy, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Here's how you're going to respond when God speaks to you. So Samuel went, lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as that other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. It was an audible voice. It wasn't like a thought that he had. It wasn't this idea that just popped into his head. There was an actual audible voice that he was hearing and responding to. New Testament, we see this. And Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So not even a believer, someone who had rejected Jesus, trying to put the church down. Went to the high priest, asked him for a letter to the synagogues at Damascus so that he may find any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he's going from Jerusalem to Damascus, which is quite a trip. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. So two times, and there's lots of other times throughout scripture, I picked the two easiest ones, uh, where God actually comes into the story and audibly speaks to the person. And if you think, well, maybe that was an Old Testament, maybe that's a Bible thing, but it doesn't happen today. Let me tell you from personal experience, I have heard the audible voice of God only once, and I'm just going to say it was not good. I was questioning I was in a really bad spot. I was kind of in between my third and my fourth year doing my internship and really questioning whether or not this is what God had for me, whether or not ministry was actually the thing that God was leading me into, and I'm so embarrassed about what the other option was. I'm not even going to tell you what it is, um, but my pastor had told me to go out to this park and to pray and I was praying, and I was questioning. I was like, God, do you really want me to do this? If I go, this other option would be so much easier. I think I'd have way more success. I think, I think it would be way more worth it. And it just felt like the, whole, the sky went dark, and the audible voice of God came, and he shook the ground. And it's terrifying, because I knew that I had questioned the all-knowing. I had questioned the one who knows my beginning and my end. I questioned God, and God was not happy. He loved me, but we know through Scripture that God disciplines the ones that he loves. Just like my children understand that when I have a different voice when they're in trouble, God has a different voice when I am not hearing him correctly. And it shook me so bad, I went running back to the basement suite, and I hid for the rest of the day. I was terrified. But afterwards, after stopping and thinking and praying some more, recognizing that this was the audible voice of God, God still loved me, and God was so committed to this plan, he didn't want me to divert from it. Because sometimes when we miss God's plan for our life, it makes life a whole lot harder than he ever intended it to be. And God was trying to help me avoid this, so he actually came, spoke, 
scared me straight, and I never questioned it since. Because I don't ever want to hear God speak to me that way again. <laughs> Wish our kids would learn that lesson. <laughs> and I'm speaking generically, all parents, right? I'm not the only one who thinks that. Okay, um, so God still speaks. God uses the audible voice. And as we go through these, I was just thinking about this. Um, these are not so much the... M- these are probably the least frequent ways that God uses. Like I said, God has only used his audible voice with me once, and I don't ever want him to do it again. So this is probably the least likely way to hear from God. And as we go down the list, it's going to be the more and more and more likely way that you're going to hear God speak, because these are the more commonplace ways that we experience God's leading. So audible voice, least likely, most powerful. Um, number two, angels. And this has come up in one of the men's things I was do- we were doing, that we can speak to angels, and there's lots of stories about this. Um, there's lots of stories around the world of those who are in the Islamic faith who will be laying in bed, and suddenly they'll be visited by an angel, and it changes everything. Angels, God still uses angels to speak to us. And often we're like, well, if God would send an angel, then I would know that he's speaking. Well, God doesn't always send the most miraculous. He wants to see if you're actually willing to listen, if he uses the other ways. But now I'm rambling. Angels are one of the ways that God speaks to us. Uh, Old Testament, Joshua getting ready to take the land of Canaan. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell to his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua sees somebody an angel of the Lord, the commander of the army of the Lord, standing before him so he can see this person. He questions him. He interacts with him. And it turns out that this angel has been sent by God to assist them in conquering not only Jericho, but the whole land. So angels are one of the ways that God speaks to us. New Testament story. Uh, Cornelius. Uh, this is an, Again, there's another unbeliever in the story of Acts. He is awful ways and he's praying for God to move and all of a sudden an angel stands before him and Cornelius says it says he stared at him in terror and says what is it Lord and he said to him your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter he is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. So an angel comes in the midst of Cornelius' prayer and says, go, send men to retrieve Simon. He's going to come. He's going to preach, preach a word. And he's going to rock your whole family. God did it once, and he can do it again. God uses angels to speak to us. Number three, other phenomena. It's a fun word to say, phenomena. Um, I always wanted to use it, so I got to. Uh, and this is... This is the ultimate example that God is not limited in the way that he speaks to us. Uh, For example, God used a burning bush to speak to Moses in Exodus. God used a talking donkey to talk to the prophet Balaam. God used a fleece to communicate his plan to Gideon. The story Gideon throws out this fleece 
And he says, in the morning, I want everything on the ground to be wet except for that fleece. I want the fleece to be dry. And he wakes up, sure enough, it's dry. And he says, okay, that was just dumb luck. I'm going to throw it out again. God, I want the whole ground to be dry this next morning, but I want the fleece to be wet. And he wakes up, the fleece is just sopping wet. And he knows that he knows that he knows that God is speaking to him. And in Daniel, there's a scenario where a king of gathering a great feast, and all of a sudden a hand appears out of nowhere and writes a message on the wall to the king and to his, his servants, and they panic, and it requires Daniel to come and interpret. And basically what I'm trying to say, as I said already, that God is not limited. Yes, he uses his audible voice. Yes, he uses angels. Yes, he uses a whole variety, but he doesn't always use a conventional way. He will use whatever means he needs, deems necessary to get his message across to you. God is not limited in the ways that he communicates to us. And you can go, those are four examples. You can go through all scripture of all the variety of ways that God has spoken to people throughout history, not only through scripture, but over the church history and those records that have been recorded of the miraculous, the odd, and the awe-inspiring ways that God has spoken to us. And it's a good reminder for us to remember to keep our eyes and our ears open because God may be trying to get our attention and we may not be aware of the method that God is using to speak to us. So don't limit God. Short story. Number four, and now we're getting into the more commonplace ones. Dreams and visions. I'm going to ask this question a little bit, but has anyone ever had a dream or a vision from God? And if you want to know the difference, basically a dream happens when you're sleeping and a vision happens when you're awake. That's the difference. But they both can come about very similar ways. They can both feel very similar. But has anyone ever had a dream or a vision? Everyone online, that question is going to pop up in a couple seconds, so you can throw it in the comments. Stephen says he has anybody else. And again, this is one of those things where you may have had a dream or a vision from God and not realized it. Vision, probably less. If you've got to be awake and all of a sudden pff, something happens, you'll know it. But a dream, sometimes we just disregard the crazy dreams we have at night. So saying, ah, it's just me having too much chocolate before bed. But really, it's God trying to get your attention, God trying to speak to you. Examples from Scripture, Genesis 15, 1. This is, <clears throat> this is Abraham having a vision. He is awake. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward shall be very great. This is a time where Abram, who is going to become Abraham, has no son. He's like, I don't know how these promises are going to be accomplished, God. And God gives him this vision and says, I am the Lord your God. And if I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. In Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went on the housetop. So this is right after the story with Cornelius. Cornelius has sent the men, and now we see Peter, and he's on the housetop, the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry, he wanted something to eat, and while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the vision, the heavens open. So he's having a vision. And something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Go in the Old Testament, the Israelites had a long list of things that were deemed unclean and unfit for them to eat. But in this sheet is only unclean things. So Peter's like, "Mm mm-mm, I'm not eating that stuff. And a voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. Do not call unclean. This happened three times. The thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen meant, behold, the men arrived, having made inquiry for Simon's house and stood at the gate. The men have arrived immediately following this vision, and Peter starts to realize that it's not actually about the food. He's supposed to go to these guys who are not Jewish, and he's not supposed to disregard them. He's not supposed to see less of them, but what God has deemed as clean, a.k.a. the Gentiles, he was supposed to go and share, and something miraculous happens in it. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. got to go to Acts 10 and read it yourself. Um, So those are visions. As far as dreams, we know that Joseph in Genesis saw his own dreams about how he was to rule over his brothers and rule over his father. He interpreted dreams on a regular basis. Dreams is a regular thing in which God, God used a dream to talk to Joseph, the, <coughs> the, the fill-in father of Jesus. <laughs> He's not the father. God's Jesus' father, but, you know, anyways... Um, God spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, you got to take Jesus and his wife, Jesus and his mom out of Israel to Egypt because the king is coming after him. So back to the first question, or the second question I asked, if you ever had a dream, and more importantly, if you've never had a dream from God, would you be willing to receive one? Would you be open to God speaking to you through a dream or a vision? And this is really important. The reason I ask if you've ever had a dream or ever had a vision from God is because Peter said in Acts 2 that in the last days the Holy Spirit would fall on God's people and young men would see visions and the old men would dream dreams. Peter had this expectation that it wouldn't be an irregular thing that happened. It wouldn't be an oddity, but that dreams and visions would be one of the primary ways that God spoke to his people. And because of that expectation, there, we should be asking this question. Have you had dreams? Have you had visions? Are you open to God speaking to you this way? Because if this is meant to be commonplace, if this is meant to be a regular thing, then the question becomes, why isn't it? Why aren't we having dreams? Why aren't we seeing visions? Why aren't we having this experience that Peter so confidently said was just going to happen all the time? Have you ever? And if not, would you be open to it? And then we're going to finish with, there's two more ways that God speaks to us. And these two are the most common. These are the ones that we're like, yep, I recognize immediately when God's speaking to me this way, But because they're so commonplace, they can also be the two easiest ones to miss. So number five, through other people. Now some of you maybe have experienced this, where you're talking to somebody, and they just out of the blue bring up a topic that you've been thinking about, or you've been worried about, and you're like, ah, that's weird. Who's been reading my mail? 
who's been tapping into my prayers. Like, what is going on here? Well, it's because God uses other people to speak to us. The biggest evidence is when we go to 1 Corinthians 12 and we go through the spiritual gifts. Watch how many of these gifts are speaking gifts. Watch how many of these gifts require someone to be obedient and speak on behalf of God. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each, given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. Speaking to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, the various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these empowered by one spirit. One in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. More than half of those gifts lifted by Paul all require our mouth. So all require somebody doing the speaking. But on the flip side, as it is always the case, not only does it require someone to be speaking, it requires somebody to be listening. More times than not, it's not the speaking that's the problem. It's so often the listening that we struggle with. God has given his people, God has given the church so many amazing gifts. And yeah, miracles and distinguishing spirits and discerning are all good, but it's the ones of speaking. It's the preaching and the teaching and the prophecy and the the gifts, the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, And when I say words of wisdom, words of knowledge, I'm talking about things that you couldn't have possibly known unless God impressed them on you. Things that you couldn't have possibly had any foreknowledge or background knowledge of unless God downloaded it and gave it to you in the moment when you needed it most. But again, it requires obedience to speak it, and it requires obedience to listen to it. So our you hearing when God is speaking to you through other people. And the last one, the still, small voice. And this came up on the 15 reasons we don't hear God's voice is because we're listening for something loud and audible, and so often God speaks to us in a small voice. And the small voice takes on a whole bunch of different looks. First uh, Kings 19 starting verse 11 he said go out stand on the mount before the lord behold the lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the lord but the lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake a fire but the lord was not in the fire and after the fire the sound of a low whisper it says and elijah recognized the voice of the lord and fell on his face and worshiped god a low whisper. Job says this in chapter 26, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, talking about God, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? On one hand, we see the great, magnificent power of the Lord thundering around us, but in the next, he still continues to speak to us in a whisper. And parents, I've seen some of you use this method with your kids just to see if they're listening. 
Why do we do that? To make them stop screaming and yelling and throwing a temper tantrum. Ever thought of God having to do the same thing with you? See if you're listening. I'm going to whisper to you. And use a still, small voice just to see if you're paying attention. Nehemiah 7.5, but then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. What Nehemiah is saying here is that I just had this thought. I had this idea pop into my brain, but I knew that it wasn't my idea. I knew that this could not have possibly come from me, so there's only one other spot it could have come from, and it come from God. And so Nehemiah, recognizing this thought to assemble the people, he says, God put it into my heart. God gave me this idea. God impressed upon me that I needed to do this. I needed to say this. I needed to gather. And this is one that is so, we get so nervous about. Because we're praying and we're asking God to speak and all of a sudden an idea pops in our head and we just question it over and over. Was that really God? Or was that me? <laughs> you know, did I have a stroke of brilliance suddenly? And all of a sudden, well, no, there's a good chance that God probably put that thought in your brain. But we question it because maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too easy. I can't get over the times that we as people think an idea is too easy. So we're like, eh, it can't possibly be God. Or God has a better perspective and he actually does have an easier way to do things. The small voice, the thought that just pops in your head at the right moment. You're like, where did that come from? Oh, there's only one, only one possible place it did come from. the whisper, the small voice, just to see if you're listening. Question number three, have you ever experienced God speaking to you in any of the above ways? Like I said, the last two are probably more commonplace, but maybe you've had the audible voice of God. Maybe you've had an angel visit you, or maybe you've had God spoke to you in some weird way. You know, if you had a burning bush experience, I'd love to hear about it, because that would be something to see and hear about, but point is that God's not, listen, not limited. God's, God has always been talking, but have you been listening? So which of these ways, outside of God's word, have you experienced God speaking to you? Now as we wrap up this series, we're going to do communion a little bit, so I'll give you that little uh, heads up so you can start getting your cup cracked open and ready to go. As we wrap up hearing from God, next, week, next month we start getting ready for a vision month because we got the AGM the last Sunday of February. So members, I need you to mark that off on your calendar. We need all members in-house for the AGM. And as I said at the review, and as I'm going to say now, we got a lot of really cool things that we need to be talking about. But I've noticed that God has really been stirring uh, a theme in our church, in conversations that I'm having, conversations that my wife is having. Um, earlier I said that one of the reasons we don't hear from God is we're asking the wrong questions. And one of the conversations that's been coming around, and this isn't a bad conversation, I'm not trying to disregard it. I think it's a good conversation to have. I think it's a good question to ask. And the question is, how do we get the people back? 
Why are there so many people who used to call one church their church and they're not here anymore? Why, why don't they ever join us on Sunday morning? Why don't they? And that's a good conversation to have. And I want to assure you, if you've been having this conversation and you're wondering, I'm not getting into any details, but I can guarantee you that some of those people that you're concerned about have really legitimate reasons they're not coming to church. Life has a funny way of throwing a curveball and it just disrupts the whole system and so for some people, they have a really good reason for not being here, and you need to be praying for them. You need to be just seeking God for them as they go through whatever it is they're going through. But the reality is that some people really don't have a good, a good reason for not being here. And I challenge everyone who is online right now to, if you have not been back here and you are within driving distance of either Carlisle or Redverse and you're choosing not to be here, to have a really honest conversation with God about why you're not here when God so clearly states in Scripture that we are not to abandon the gathering of the believers, but that we are to gather on a regular basis for encouragement. And I'm not saying concern about the people who have left is the wrong question. It's a good question. But as we move forward, I think a better question is, who do we need to reach? Who are the people in our community who don't know Jesus? Who are the people who are lost and hurting? Who are the people that sin has robbed them of the life that God has given? How do we reach our community? How do we reach the people who have never darkened the door of the church? Because when it comes to God's concern, if they were here and they're not coming and they're just tuning in online, then in theory they're good. They know Jesus. They're not the primary concern. As we are for the church, we are not a country club who just takes care of ourselves. Yes, we take care of ourselves. Yes, we pray and we support and we come around those that are hurting. We bear one another's burdens. But we are not a country club. We are a rescue station. We need to get outside these walls. We need to get into our community. Whether it's Carlisle or Redverse or Imperial or wherever it is that you are tuning in right now, we are not supposed to be inward focused. We're supposed to constantly be outward focused. Who is it that I need to talk to? Who is it that I need to invite to church? Who, which of my neighbors do I need to talk to about Jesus? These are the right questions. Because as long as we remain inwardly focused and just like, I like my little group, the church will die. I guarantee it. Because we will just keep losing people. And the idea of inviting someone to church might make us uncomfortable because we don't know what their background is. We don't know what they're going to bring in. We don't, we just, and I might not like the person. Jesus loves them. God died for them. Jesus went to a cross, was crucified for every single person who is not here just as much as he went to a cross for everyone who is. Jesus did not say, get a small group, buy a church, and hang out every Sunday because that's what I need you to do. Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey the things that I have taught you. We shouldn't be, it, it's okay to ask about the people who aren't here, but we should be asking is why are we not seeing new people come to church? Why are we not seeing more people get saved? Why did we only baptize two people last year? What, those are the better questions, but those questions make us uncomfortable because sometimes 
we don't really like the answer. But I think God is stirring his people, God is stirring us to start getting more and more uncomfortable for the sake of those who don't know Jesus. And so 2022 is the year we start asking better questions. We start asking the hard questions. We start asking questions that maybe we haven't asked before and step into being the church that God has called us to be. There's my little plug for the AGM. You might want to come over that one. It is Communion Sunday, so if you got your cup nearby, I see that my wife grabbed one for me because I forgot. Whenever we get to Communion, we, we, in one way or another, we either read it or we refer to 1 Corinthians when Paul is laying out the instructions for Communion. He talks about how there are some within the Corinthian church that have taken communion in an unworthy manner. And because they've taken it in an unworthy manner, they've fallen asleep. And he's not saying that they had a nap because it was really good. They're saying that he, they died. They are permanently sleeping. And so as a precaution, before we take communion, we stand up and we say, we want to take some time and we're going to pause and we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any unworthiness that may be in our life so that we do not take this in a manner that is disrespectful to the God that we love. And I don't know how other pastors do it, but I don't lay out what unworthiness is. Because what I am actually inviting you to do is a practice in hearing God. To pause will you start. To stop what you're doing, take a deep breath, and allow God to speak to you, and then not only to hear God, but to obey. That whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, whatever it is that he reveals to you, that you will have the obedience and the humility to make it right. I don't have to tell you what unworthiness God might be revealing to you. It's a matter of us having the obedience and the faith to recognize that what it is that God is putting his finger on and saying, this needs to change. I think sometimes we're so quick to disregard the voice of God because we're like, well, that's not a big deal to me. Well, it's a big deal to God, and that's why he's revealing it to you. You are not calling the shots. God is calling the shots. Are you willing to listen? So in light of that, once again, I ask you to pause, bow your heads, close your eyes, get rid of the distractions, take a deep breath, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal any unworthiness that may be in you before we partake in communion.
Father, we come, we ask you to forgive us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, God, for the unworthiness that so easily sneaks into our hearts. Father, forgive us for the compromises that we've made. Forgive us for treating as common the things that you have declared to be holy. God, I thank you that you do not come and you lay a guilt trip on us, but that you convict us because you want us to draw closer to you. Father, give us the sincerity to recognize that these things that you may be poking at and putting your finger on are not, they're just things that are getting in the way of us becoming all that you've called us to be. Father, remove all unworthiness before we partake in communion as we remember, Jesus, that you died, but you rose again, and you are returning. Thank you, God, for this opportunity for communion, and thank you that one day we will stop doing this because we will be reunited with you.